you've really lived very much a traditional life of a artist of a musician yeah um and now you're coming into web3 or you've you've been in web3 exploring the new fronts of where music intersects with crypto um and exploring this level of independency essentially that that you're after but why why is web3 the perfect medium for music beyond beyond bringing culture on chain right because that's that's sure. also in, in nfts in general with art with fashion sure i mean the the perfect medium for music is live right mm-hmm. like to be to be literal um but for the i think for the exploitation of music and for the um financialization of it and the sense and community building like for all those aspects web3 provides solutions you know, primarily through de- decentralization, like, you know, the idea that, you know, like my MySpace account, I would love to have that back. Are you kidding me? Like with all the, all the content comments, really? friends, like just to see it, like all that data is gone forever. Like it's gone. Right. Um, so that perspective, I think is really important of being able to, you know, have immutability and, you know, perpetual content i think that's really important um and then access to our people like the way the way if i post on instagram like what is it two percent or five percent of people who 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 chose to follow my account will see what i want to share with them i mean all that kind of thing it's you know nothing sustainable and i think it's more for me more than the solutions web3 provides it's about how problematic the music industry has been up to this point in time that the the entire music industry, I believe, is is predicated on the idea of exploiting the creative in favor of the exploiter. That's that is the music industry. You know, music mm-hmm. is a different conversation. Music as art and music in as human culture, that's different. But the industry, it, it it's not there for music to 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 be great. <laughs> like that's not what it's made for. Mm-hmm. So the idea that there's a p- potential solution to that. That excites me to no end. Like that, that's it for me. And so now we have all these toolings to explore the idea of a potential solution without the middleman, without, you know, it's, it's the first time in history when musicians have not been behind the ball with tech and industry. And I say that to say that, you know, whether it's any technological development in music history, but let's go with the most recent ones like MP3, like, download digital download culture and then streaming we weren't like those things happened and then we had to comply that was how that's how it worked and then the same way with the industry the the way all the industry framework is put together it's intentionally made in a convoluted way so it's difficult to find all your money that belongs to your asset called music and it's it's very convoluted and that's by design it's like it's difficult for a musician to understand that all by design. So to take those two perspe- aspects and have a tooling which can just dis- get rid of both of them, I'm like, yeah, this is at the worst, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you talk more about so you just went on a, on a little bit of a, an an example tangent of comparing traditional music to crypto music, okay? Um, can you talk more about like what are the biggest like insights that you've developed as a traditional artist coming into web three that maybe others won't necessarily have the purview of seeing 
right? So you talked about payments, right? You talked about all these dashboards. Uh, you talked about uh, uh, social media data and right in like everything li- living on one centralized server versus being repurposed on other platforms. Um, what other like interesting insights that might not be as common to the more modern day uh, independent artists that you're kind of seeing being a better format in Web3 for them? Totally, man. I, I think one thing that comes to mind straight away is how labels work in the traditional system. And that is, you know, there's two kinds of labels fundamentally. There's one that's a catalog label mm-hmm. and there's one that's a new music label. Some of them are big enough to be both. But, you know, as far as people who are new to like new artists and emerging artists and aspiring artists, we're talking about new music labels primarily. So their whole business model is based on you have some new music, it it has a buzz, they capitalize on the buzz, and then they make some money. But the buzz is, by definition, it always happens when the new release cycle is happening. You know, if you're one of these huge artists who who just kind of can plateau at a really high level consistently, I mean, that's that's an anomaly. Cool. But for the average artist um, in any genre, you're going to peak when a new release comes out, and then it's going to kind of plateau down. And so the label has never had any kind of financial incentive or tooling to to keep your exploitation consistent. In other words, to keep your money growing and to keep you in the marketplace if you're not in the new release cycle. So the best thing they can do is come back to you as an artist and say, yo, give us a new album, and then we can push you, and that'll push your old album, right. and, then, and, you, and we're in this cycle, right? It's never ending. So I think that's one fundamental thing where, you know, like, I mean, someone we all talk about a lot, Latasha, who's just doing incredible things in the space, the way she'll give you like a new joint, a recent joint, an old joint. And it's like this, it's all, it's all art, it's all music, and it's all valid. And just because, like for me with my catalog, just because a track was recorded in 2005 doesn't reduce the value of the track. Right. But in the traditional system, it does. Like until some show decides oh. to sync it, then it comes to life again. Otherwise, let's talk about that again really quick. Why why is an old track new in crypto? Why is that okay versus not okay? <laughs> That's a really interesting insight because I have realized that a lot of artists that jump into Web3 and music, they end up publishing and minting tracks that already were in existence that already have streams like Mm blau is the best example of that right totally all the all the songs that he Mm -hmm. basically sold that in that iconic drop that made headlines those were all repurposed tracks right Mm -hmm. that were brought Mm -hmm. that were re-brought to life excuse me why is that acceptable here oh I mean, why shouldn't it be, right? <laughs> like, also true. Like, why shouldn't it not be? Yeah. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, it's like if if we looked at, looked at visual art through the same lens, then you could look at an artist who, I mean, they've all, every artist I think of right now is not even alive, but you could say, well, you know, their old work, I mean, it's old. Like, that's not worth any money. Like, I want, I want the new joint. Like, you know, Picasso. I want that new Picasso. I don't want the old Picasso. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, this is, to me, this is art. And I think there's a distinction here to make as well between, um, between, you know, music in its genres and functionality is a huge spectrum. And I skew to art music. You know, I skew to music as art before I skew to music as product. And that's not a to disparage anything because I, 
you know, it's, I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, really quick. So I just want to clarify something like yeah. not all old music doesn't do well if it's repurposed, right? Like oh. you can still hear yeah. Michael Jackson's songs like being played, right? And totally. it's old stuff. Like his, his catalog totally. has value. Like your oh YouTube catalog has value. It still accumulates views depending on there who we you go. are. Yeah. Right. But I, I, I see what you're saying. Like with more everyday songs, those don't get necessarily repurposed on mainstream radio or on Spotify playlists because they're already in the past, right? Whereas exactly. here on this medium, you're actually reintroducing them in a new format and a new way to capture true value depending on what the market wants to value it as. 100%, man. Okay. You know, the, 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 yeah, the, the, way that, the way that back catalog is part of an artist's story and yeah. that we now have a tooling to be able to, t- to share our story and frame it in our own way, that's totally unique. You know, b- beyond that, it's like, you know, you click on discography on Spotify and it's a, some JPEGs. Yeah. But for me to be actually contextualize that for people is amazing. Yeah. And, and, it's, and the, at that point, it's, it's not about, and I alluded to this before, it's not even about it being collected or bought. It's about it being on chain. And when it gets to the point when it, when it, it meets its collector, you know, the person who this, yeah, I resonate with this. Then, then that becomes a transaction. Cool. But it's much more important to me that the story is there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have a, we have a thing happening in the space already where, you know, people feel like, Oh, if my NFT didn't sell on the day I dropped it, it's a, it's a failure. I'm going to burn it or whatever it might be. And, <laughs> And that's, I'm, that happens, right? But it's like <laughs> if if you're putting this into a into a space forever, yeah. then maybe you know maybe it's going to meet its collector in five years' time, and and you know that doesn't pay the rent this month. But there's so much value in that to me. 